When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The mink shall inherit the earth? No way! The Vera Vault with Bill Wang shall inherit the earth! Bam, bam, bam! Dilly D! Smack him a gob. It's another Vieira vault, and you know him. You love him. I got Mr. Bill Wang with me. Hi, Bill. Hey, 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 Doc, Doc, Dilly, Doc. What's going on, brother? Honored to uh, be back on the Vieira vault, Dr. Fuck's world, and uh, we're going to be talking about a band that's very cherished, both of us, uh, and uh, it's going to be fantastic. Bam, bam, bam. Damn, dude. You know what's weird? Uh, I hope you don't get freaked out by what I'm about to say, Bill. Of course not. You slept in my bed. I'm not freaked out of anything. All You've right, been well, naked. I, I'm just saying, you're, you're you're just the tone of your voice on the Vieira Vault at uh-huh. the moment, right now. Mm-hmm. I'm fiddling with my anus. Oh, Jesus Christ. San Francisco nights, huh? <laughs> hey. So, yeah, man, we're going to talk about Rush. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Rush, baby boy. Yes, sir. Now, you're a big fan. And what we're going to do is the first album all the way up to Grace Under Pressure. Because yeah, everything seven, four, after eight, that, mm-hmm. you know, the few, you know, the, the what is it? Um, uh, power Windows, Hold Your Fire, Roll the Bones, Presto. I got to study those. Uh, everything after Presto, starting with Counterparts, I don't have to study none of that. But those albums, I'm like, you know what? Let's just fucking do these. The classic era where they started getting into the synthesizers. And we'll stop right there. What do you say? I'm ready, dude. I'm ready. I mean, uh, generally speaking, um, you know, I'm more of a, not to get off track, but I'm more of a Power Windows uh, fan than you are. But, you know, after that, it was hit or miss, man. It was hit or miss, you know. So I'm, I'm with you. And these are the fucking... Uh, the gold standard, you know, 74, 84. It's right up my pocket, dog. Oh, cool. I didn't realize we're doing 74 to 84. That's when yeah, those... yeah. Oh, cool. The first 10 years. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Nice. Nice. Well, Bill, I got to tell you, man, I yeah. really don't remember how I discovered Rush. I don't at all. You don't? I can't even tell you the first Rush album I bought. I think it was all a world of stage, but I could be wrong. I know, I know, um, uh, 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 Spirit of the Radio, uh, Permanent Waves was the first one I bought new, but I don't know what I owned before that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I owned before that. I remember seeing the trees and Xanadu, the videos on HBO. Oh, would show, yeah, back in the 70s, dude. I remember my parents, we uh, rented a hotel and, um, and, uh, we they had HBO and I remember seeing Xanadu in the trees and uh Farewell to Kings 
um, on the, you know, between the movies. They would mm-hmm. show music videos. So I remember seeing that, but I don't remember what I owned. I'm pretty sure it's All the World's a Stage was the first mm-hmm. one I bought, but I could be wrong. How about mm-hmm. you? Oh, man, I remember exactly. I remember exactly. Um, <clears throat> I used to hang out with these really, I mean, at the time were older guys. Um, they weren't molesting me, but we're talking late 79. Uh, older guys were talking a senior in high school and a guy, a freshman in college. There were the Mendezes. And if Chubby listens to this episode, he'll know. And they turned me on to Rush. And uh, I was introduced to uh, 2112 first. I specifically remember that. And I remember um, <clears throat> Farewell to Kings because that album cover just tripped me out. Didn't own the records or anything, but that was my first experience uh, of Rush knowing a specific title of a, an album. So the first was 2112. So we're talking, you know, many years or in the context, years after it was first released in 76. Um, I remember, and I just, you know, at the time, you know, because Rush is, uh, there's a, as I've said many times on uh, your other podcasts, Rock and Metal Combat podcast, Rush is uh, Kiss 77, uh, Van Halen 78, ACDC late 78, um, Rush, no, Judas Priest, Late 78, probably very early 80. I know it was uh, Unleashed in the East. And then Rush, uh, when I purchased uh, Permanent Ways, was probably a, you know, a few weeks old. That was the first album I bought. I remember totally specifically. But I was introduced to the band previously, probably six months prior to uh, Permanent Ways. And um, I just remember, just in context, you know, compared to 2112 and, and Farewell to Kings, Permanent Ways, even as a young kid... I remember it was it was just a little bit more upbeat, little little bit more accessible, a little bit le, you know less complex, where your brain would just be going crazy. And uh, yeah, I remember exactly. And I remember my mom buying me Permanent Ways uh, late. I would say late January, nineteen eighty. And I remember buying that little. Uh, back in the day, I know you'll remember they used to come out with these little um, gums. They had these little album covers, all the popular uh, bands and, and artists of the day, and they had a permanent ways gum where these little baby, little miniature, little album covers, probably four inches by four inches, and the little gum cir- shaped like a vinyl LP was in it. And I remember buying that around the same time I did uh, Permanent Ways. Do you remember that those little things? Yep, I remember there was one for Unmasked. Yes, 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 yes. yes. We talked about that on the Unmasked episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> On the Rock and Metal Combat podcast. Yes. What, 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 what number episode was that? You know what? I don't know. I just I know I don't know that. I know the uh, well, I know okay. I know it's the okay. the uh, <laughs> I know the permanent uh, waves episode was uh, one eighty six. So, you gotta but check I don't that one out. That's an awesome one. It is. It's a great one. You were sober, kind of. I was sober, kind of. Uh, lovable Wadzilla was sober, kind of. We were all, you know, in the pocket getting serious about a very serious band because a lot of the bands that we all love are not so serious in that context, you know, fucking sucking dilly dee. But yeah. So yeah, that's my first memories of rush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, let's dwell into it to the first album. All I have right. Memories. I, have mem- I do remember hearing the first album and I'll explain that after you tell me your thoughts on the first rush album. 
All right. Um, and I don't have like you know, this is ad lib. This is me and Doc at a at a bar. I don't have notes about specific <clears throat> memories, but my thoughts about the first Rush album, and it's in the context of getting into it, you know, years after it was released, because I was in single digits when it came out. I didn't even know I was barely out of the, my Sesame Street LP. Um, obviously, a band on the on the just, just you just tell the the um, the Led Zeppelin influence, the you know, kind of the early '70s hard rock influence. Um, not necessarily a band in their groove, finding their way, no pun intended, <clears throat> uh, just uh, trying to, you know, get their shit, but, you know, lay in their foundation <clears throat> that they were a hard rock band. They were a little bit more complex in the context of that first record. They, they were making a statement. Here we are. We're young guys in our early twenties and, you know, we're, we're here. We want y'all to hear us. <clears throat> we're going to be loud, proud, bombastic, but we're going to play our instruments like you've never heard before. Uh, I think it's a, a great first album. Um, I'm not going to give it five out of five chopsticks. Just, uh, you know, I can't be that much of a fanboy. I got to be realistic. I'm going to give it four out of five chopsticks. Um, I think it's got great moments. Um, uh, I think it's a, it's a great first statement and it's a, <clears throat> a statement that's going to be a foundation, but it's definitely something that the band's going to build on. And it's definitely going to be something you look back at and go, wow, that's really different than the future, even a couple years later. But it's still Rush, you know, and it's just loud and fucking heavy. And <clears throat> I really, really love the record. I really do for a first album, you know. Uh, but it's it's one of those bands that they did, in my opinion, they didn't find their uh, expertise and their total pocket on that first record. But it was a statement. and. Uh, I dig it. It's great. I dig that album. I love it too. And I'll tell you how I discovered this album. Awesome. I remember this specifically. It was 1980 and the radio played Working Man. Mm. And I was completely floored how good it was because I seen the album at the at the record shops, you know, uh, at the record store. But And how I would buy albums back then, I would mow lawns. And then I would make enough for one album. So I always had to be like very careful what I'd buy, you know. Uh, so when I heard Working Man, I said, I don't give a fuck if the rest of the album sucks. I need to get this for Working Man. What a song, man. <laughs> so I, the, next, the next lawns I mowed, <clears throat> I went and bought the first Rush album. Mm. And I brought it home and I fucking loved it. Now, keep in mind, I had All the World of Stage. I had... Uh, um, what do you call? It? You know what? Now I think about it, I didn't have all the worlds of stage. See, I tell you, I'm very blurry on Rush, on what mm -hmm. was the first because all the world stage has Working Man. So obviously, I did not have that album because the first time I heard mm -hmm. Working Man was on the radio. So when I brought it home, I couldn't stop listening to this fucking album. This album, I absolutely love finding my way, fucking before and after. What you doing, Working Man? You know, take a friend. The bluesy here's again. Here again, I love love this album, and I gotta give it Bill a ten. Right on, right on. I give it a ten. Oh, you know most, a lot of people do, Doc. Yeah, yeah, I'm just trying to be honest and consistent in my heart. You know, right. Well, I gotta tell you, um, you know, now it's the difficult part of my show. 
Okay. We got to pick the best song, our favorite, and our least favorite. So I'll let you go first. Oh, man, I hate this. I, you know, I mean, it's... Yeah, I know. I hate not, it, too. It's, it's, it's not provoked, especially the album's coming up. But um, I would say... And it's going to sound stock answer and obvious, but it's Working Man's going to be my favorite. Mm-hmm. And my least favorite would be In the Mood. Right on. Uh, I would... I have to say Working Man, of course. Okay. Um, and my least favorite... And I love it. I love every song off this album. But I'll say Need Some Love. I okay. like In the Mood more. In, in the Mood would be the, the my second least favorite that I still love. I right. love Need Some Love, but I like every other song more than that. Yeah. But, all right, all right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. So, Neil Peart uh, comes to the band, and they do their second album release in 75. Uh, recorded in 74, December, uh, Fly By Night. Mm. And I just listened to this like a week or so ago. Holy crap, what a great album. Oh my goodness, yeah. So good. But I will let you go first. Yeah, um, Terry Brown comes into the picture, uh, adds a little bit of direction, a little bit of uh, production, a little bit of expertise, and it's very obvious. Um, I think it's uh, them, you can just tell. I mean, if you look back, you know, uh, with 2020 uh, hindsight and with, you know, high, you know, money, money, quarterback sort of thing, not necessarily like a negative thing, but looking back, it's like, oh, wow, they, this is the blueprint of where they're going to go. You know, you can just tell the complexity and Neil, Neil joining the band is just so obvious and everything. And, uh, I love it. I think uh, the, just the just the start of Anthem. It's like holy shit, shit's different. Shit's different here. You know, we're talking. Yeah, the Ru- the first Rush album, John Rutsey, God bless his soul, everything. But all of a sudden, you hear Anthem. It's like, oh fuck, shit's getting fucking crazy, dude. Here's the deal, 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 deal. and it's like, oh fuck yeah. So yeah, uh, just that Anthem start and just you know, by tour and fucking. Uh, beneath between and behind just the whole bit um i really really love this album <clears throat> i didn't get this album uh i got uh, the next record uh, before i got this one but i really enjoy this record to this day i listened to it to, for doing your this project the vr vault i listened to all these rush albums the last couple weeks actually um I really enjoy this one. I give it a five out of five, chopsticks. Uh, I love it. Um, yeah, man, it's it's really, really the blueprint, and it's just a uh, kind of like a uh, like a telegraph for what's coming up. It's like, oh shit, you ain't seen nothing yet, but here we are. So yeah, I fucking dig it. It's fucking fabulous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. This is uh, you know, you already yeah, you see the hints with Bytor especially. Yes, uh, you yes. hear, but also you hear it in Anthem because yeah. Anthem has this extreme tightness that wasn't on the first album. Right, it, it's like very precise and very tight, where the first album was more loose. So this Absolutely. one, they, they really, really fucking honed in on on their skills and how to be a tighter band, and you know, which goes to show. I mean, as much as I love the first Rush album. 
you know, this one shows, you know, Neil Peart's influence. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't in the band long. But uh-huh. he wrote just about all the lyrics on here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, dude, I love this album. I put, you know, on Facebook daily. Well, not daily, but, you know, m- most days. When I listen, I listen to several albums a day, but I always pick one of the several albums that I listen to to put up holding it on Facebook to say, I'm currently cranking this. Mm. And one guy wrote, I love that album except for Rivendell. And when he said that, I <laughs> thought, I thought, well, Rivendell is my least favorite on here, but I dig it. You know? Oh, yeah, I already, yeah, I already gave away my least favorite, but I dig this song, but it is very <laughs> mellow. And you do hear some of that first album rush here too. Like best I can could have fit perfectly. Right. And Fly by Night could have fit perfectly on the first album. But the rest of it I think is very you know, and Beneath Between and Behind is a song I first heard on Exit Stage Left. Right. And and Oh, oh such a great version on Exit Stage Oh Left. yeah. And and oh, that song it's one of the heaviest rush songs. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so fucking blistering, and it's short. It's like shy of three minutes. Yes, Mm -hmm. it makes it makes the the impact. And yeah, Bytor. And look, I love Bytor. I will say one thing, kind of negative about Bytor, is that I think it starts too abruptly. I think there should because it's such an epic song. It's like an eight minute song, and it is extremely epic. But to start off with just a drum roll right into the lyrics. I would have liked more of a, you know, build up, but right. that's a small, that's a small, I just find that odd about the song, but I love the song. Don't get me wrong. I, I have nothing against the song. I just feel like, why did it start? So I, I can never get used to that. I, I, I think that this song deserves an, a musical interlude, mm-hmm. you know, even if it was mellow, I don't care, but just All some right. kind of, that's my only gripe. Um, mm-hmm. And definitely, I got to say, without a doubt, Anthem is my favorite track on here. And Rivendell is my least favorite. What about you? Um, and just to piggyback on your analysis of um, uh, Bytor, <clears throat> that's, uh, that's an interesting uh, analysis. And uh, I don't think anybody should have any beef with you just to be a little bit subjective about that because a, you've been a fan since you know fucking 40 plus years, whatever. So I respect that. Uh, my favorite song on the record is, uh, by tour and the snow dog. And, uh, my worst, uh, just uh, not to sound like copycat baseball bat is, uh, (laughs) ribbon. It's like, like, you know, if I'm going to have to pick something, you know, and this, uh, you know, when we're doing what we got to do, when you do the Vieira vault, you got to grab your balls and just, you know, do what, you know, you can't go, oh, everything's a 10. Oh, dilly dee. But yeah, if I'm in a, a gun to my head, I'm in the ghetto in San Francisco back in the day buying drugs, and someone says, pick your fucking word, you know, I'm going to do that. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Um... Uh, a no posers allowed attitude on this podcast. No, I don't think so. No, you know, you, you speak your mind, and uh, uh, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get nobody giving you shit with what you think about. Because I respect anybody's opinions. You know, I don't fuck with anybody's opinions if they disagree with me. I'm cool with it. It's what I love about the Vieira vault. But yeah, 
Uh, okay, we'll go to the next one, Corrosive Steel. So this one, obviously, you said you had this before the first two, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. This was, uh, let's see, Permanent Waves 2112, Corrosive Steel. There was my third Rush album. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Oh, man, this is really when they fucking just go. This is when it's like, oh, shit. And just by chance. I mean, it isn't like I just went out. And, I was, like I said earlier, my older friends, they were playing this. And I heard the Necromancer. It's like, and like, oh my fucking god, this is like, this is amazing. And it's like, oh, what, 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 what album is this? What album is this? You know, little Bill Wang's like, you know, these older fuckers, you know, 18, 19 years old. It's like, oh, this is the Necromancer. This is an album. This is an album from like years ago. You know, this is like, you know, 1980. They're telling me this. This is an album from like fucking 38 years ago. It's like, you know, in retrospect, it's only a couple years. So I heard the Necromancer and then, and then obviously I got it. And then the Bastille Day and, you know, just, um, I love this fucking album. I love it. It has memory. Necromancer in particular. It just, I will, I remember years i mean throughout the years i mean even fucking i mean i'll i listen to it now which i did to do your project the vr vault and it just brought me back it brought me back sitting in my little room with my little uh lp player in my little room on harewood drive uh you know listening Harewood drive harewood drive yeah oh, no. my bad <laughs> <laughs> no, I was about, Liverpool, I was about to ask where that is because I like to go shoot yeah. some smack, man. No, 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 no. I've never done that guy. But no, I just it just you brings pussy. me back. Huh? You wuss. You never did heroin? No, I've never done heroin. That's why uh, I'm still alive. Neither no, I, I, I've done it's all like, my drugs, but I always figured if I was going to do that, I'd end up dying because all the drugs I did, hardly anyone died from it. But it, every time I read about heroin, someone died. So I said, no, no, no. No way. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so. the same way. I mean, who the fuck would want to do heroin with yeah. what you hear from people? I mean, yeah, but, not me. Not but me. I mean, the one good thing about heroin is you can write a novel on it, a diaries. <laughs> Nikki Six. Yeah, right. Diddly Bullshit. Yeah, it's, but yeah, Caress of Steel. In my heart, I have a tattoo of on my heart of Caress of Steel. Means a lot to me as a young little kid, and to this day, forty years later, I love it. Listened to it the other day, and it just brought me back. I love it. Um, great album. Uh, the last, I mean, the first three, you know, in succession, they got a little bit more complex, a little bit more complex. I mean, holy shit, you know, the next album, oh my god, is like you talk about fucking busting, you're not going batshit crazy, forget progressive metal it's like i you know the the gives if you recall rush had a kind of like the similar situation with kiss um originals they had a thing called um oh god what was it called what was the they had a rush they had a rush of the first uh oh that uh, yeah i remember that wasn't it called? Yeah, but no, but what's the name of it they had a name oh, for the, the i rush. can't remember yeah, it had the first three albums in it, right? Yeah. Oh, God. I was but... going to say Archives, but that's that. Yeah, company. you're right. No, it is Archives, Doc. Oh, it is Archives. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Archives. Anyways, it was kind of in the same pocket. It's like, you know, Kiss, you know, showing respect to the prehistoric first three albums. Rush did the same thing with these three. And it's like the next three Rush albums, like, oh, my God, is is this is like head-blown crazy shit, you know? So I think this is a... 
you know, a little uh, romantic end to the first trilogy, you know. But you could tell shit was going to get deep. Shit was going to go batshit crazy. And you've never heard him like you've ever heard. Bring out the capes, you know, bring out the makeup, bring out all the fucking great prog post 2112, you know, uh, up to, you know, uh, Hemispheres Russian, you know, the, you know, hem, uh, 2112, um, Farewell to Kings, Hemispheres. So, uh, this was a not, this was, it, to me personally, I think this was the, the end of an era for, for Rush, you know. So I love it. I give it five out of five chopsticks. What did you give? What did you give Fly by Night? Did you? I gave it five out of five. Yeah. yeah, right. I gave it five yeah me five. too. Me too. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah I, um, yeah. I love this. This one is, it takes a bigger step than Fly by Night, though, because Fly by Night had a buy tour. This one has the Necromancer and the Fountain of Laminates, which is yeah. picks up the whole side too. Right. You know, there's only three songs: Bastille Day, I think I'm going bald, and Lakeside Park. That's not. I mean, but I hear Lakeside Park and you know the vibe of it and future songs and Bastille Day. You can hear the vibe of it in 2112's uh, Overture. You know, I mean, uh, they still stick it. The only song I say on here that really reflects the old. Is I think I'm going bald, you know. I think that's the more rocky rolly song on here. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I love this album. Uh, the funny thing on the Rush documentary, "All the World's a Stage." Did you ever get to see that? No, no. Well, they they talked about this album and they played it for Paul Stanley in a van, and Paul was like confused, like, "What the <laughs> fuck am I listening to?" Which no shit. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I believe I think I'm going bald is a like a a, a twist on I think I'm going blind. Uh, they they wrote that song from going blind. Mm. I believe so. I've heard something about that. But okay. I love this album. It's at this juncture, so yeah. Yep. Necromancer is a fucking masterpiece. Oh God! You know, it's just, the cornerstone just... of this album. Mm-hmm. And but my favorite, I gotta go with Bastille Day, man. Okay. okay. And my least favorite, I think I'm going bald. I think yeah. it kind of just sticks out like a sore thumb on this album. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Uh, well, we're uh, in the pocket with the worst. Think I'm going bald. I've hated it since the day I heard it. I, I always get mad when they ever fucking played it live. It's like, please. I want to hear this, 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 dilly do. I don't want to hear this shit, you know? No, and then when I say that shit, I'm not trying to shit on no pun intended rush, but it's, yeah, it's my worst. My favorite is the Necromancer. I mean, and yeah, all their don't little blame me. That's a very close second for me. Let me tell yeah, you. Right, yeah, right on, right and on. And the last time I saw Rush, they played Lakeside Park, which I was happy I got to see him play that. And then you go with your ex, uh, uh, uh yeah, my ex boyfriend, Ian. Yeah, lovable level. Yeah, that's yeah, a. And, and they also yeah. they also played uh, what you doing? Oh wow, cool, yeah, cool. Yeah, I, you know, I just, cool. I've heard so many stories about you guys at that shit, and oh, right on. Phenomenal that's stuff. a document forever, man. That's a great podcast. You guys is a rush experience together. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right on. Cool, cool. And uh, all right, the next one. Is my favorite. Oh my goodness! My favorite Rush album, hands down. Okay. A lot of people. I don't know, man. I think people are lying, man. I think this is everybody's favorite. Is it your favorite? No. You're lying. No. Okay, I'm lying. 
Lie, no. liar, liar, pants on fire. No, it's liar, not. Liar, liar, pants suit on fire. No, that's Vinnie Vincent. No, look, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just goofing on you. But, I know. I, but this album is just unbelievable. 2112, I'll never forget. I bought this like in 82 or something. Okay. And man, it was headphone, smoke, weed, music. And, and I think it's the greatest headphone album, along yeah. with The Wall. Those two are my favorite headphone albums. Mm. This album, you know, and the story, you know, and notice, th- th- what I strive on the Vieira Vault is to give a fan's per- perspective, not a, oh, let's t- dwell into the story of this. And t- but I do got to bring up the story of 2112. Right. At this time, the record company was fed up with them. After Caress of Steel, you know, they, they did a tour. They called it, I think they called it the Disaster Tour or something like that because it was a really bad tour. They were playing little clubs when they weren't playing with Kiss. So they were, the, the Mercury Records said, look, we, if the next, we're going to give you one more chance. The next album doesn't have a hit, you're gone. And they're telling them, we need hits. We need songs like from Bad Company. And they were like, fuck it. So what they did was they said, you know what? Let's go in there and let's do an album we want to do. And if they drop us, we, they drop us. I don't give a fuck. But we're not selling out. Mm-hmm. So they did this epic fucking album uh, with, I believe it was called The Fountain or The Fountainhead or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. This, this uh, was from a controversial uh, person that wrote a book. Uh, this lady, whatever her name was. Mm-hmm. And um, dude, the, the way this album starts, it sounds like you're in outer space. Yeah. And it has this, you know, what I love about it is that, you know, you hear all this whoosh, but in the background, you hear, dun, 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 dun. It just oh, sounds so like, hard. I mean, I never heard anything like this. I know, I you know. know? <laughs> I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of Pink Floyd at the time I heard this, so I'm sure Me Pink Floyd either. had some of that stuff. But this was unbelievable. And Overture is so smokingly killer and tight and precise, and I never get sick of it. Oh. You know, the whole... And the whole story, you know, it, it, what I love about this story is that it's not, it doesn't have a happy ending, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about censorship. It's about, you can, you can label it as communism, you know, mm-hmm. like a uh, country outlawing music and telling you how, you know, high priest telling you how to behave. Mm-hmm. Some guy in a fucking cave finds a, a fucking guitar and tunes it and starts playing fucking some cool ass mellow tunes and right, takes it to the priest, <laughs> and then the priest starts yelling at him, "Don't right. annoy us further," you know. Oracle of a dream, yeah. Oh fucking yeah, 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 yeah. Unbelievable. And the end, you know, which I oh, saw play, yeah, I saw them play grand finale on the. Well, I seen them play this whole thing on one of the later tours, but when I saw a moving pictures tour, they ended it with grand finale. Oh, badass. Oh, and then you, got, then, then you got side two, which is just as badass. Yeah. You know, yeah. one of the greatest pot songs along with fucking Sweet Leaf. Oh, the hell yeah. Passage Bangkok. of Bangkok. Wow, what a song. I wanted to, you know what, I, that's so funny not to interrupt your, your analysis, but I wanted to fucking have a big old joint and smoke the, during this, uh, when we're discussing Passage of Bangkok, but I just, I uh, was, uh, it was uh, my, my timing wasn't right, so. Yeah, so Passage to Bangkok, that is so, and, and yeah, awesome, uh, I could just go crazy about that song, but yeah, 
Perfect. And it's and it's no secret these guys love pot. You know, oh back, God, who yeah. who put who doesn't? You know, back then they were they smoked a lot of the weed. Right, right, right. So, yeah, and I love Twilight Zone, man. It's oh so my goodness. trippy. Yeah. Yeah. And Lessons is awesome. Lessons is probably the deep track. I will yeah. say this, and this is a rare thing for me to say. I like Tears. I me do too. like it. But have I you love, heard have you heard Alice, Alice in Chains do this song? No, I haven't. No. Bro, it's better. I love Alice in Chains. Oh, wow. No, I, I, I'm not aware of that. I, I, I think gotta... Alice in Chains does a better version of Tears. No fucking shit. Yeah, you gotta hear it, dude. It's on YouTube. I think I do... love that song. It reminds me of Inga, my girlfriend when I used to work at Senior Taco. <laughs> Senior Taco? At <laughs> Livermore, California, yes, sir. <laughs> Senior Taco. Did it have a little mascot, like a taco head? Yeah, a little Mexican dude with a big old fucking uh, 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 handlebar oh, mascot. Yeah, yeah, the fat face. <laughs> Yeah, andale, andale, andale. Yeah, yeah. I love arriba, arriba, arriba. <laughs> Well, fuck yeah, dude. Uh, I, I, there's not some more I can say. I mean, come on. It's my favorite Rush album. What do you think? Uh, man, I mean, I love it. Uh, I adore it. And it's so, to piggyback what you're saying, is interesting because uh, my favorite song is, you know, I know it's a billion different songs. It would be 2112, side one. And like you're talking about, when you're talking about side two, it's like, you know, uh, um, what's, what's to come? It's like, oh, wow, they did one song on side two, and then they did one, two, three, four, five songs on side two. It's, it's like one, one song, and it's like, oh, wow, they broke it up, and they fucking did all these different kind of songs on side two. And, uh, yeah, Passage to Bangkok, The Twilight Zone, Lessons, Tears, Something for Nothing. I think it was just like, all right, well, we're going to fucking say, fuck you, record company on side one. We're going to fucking put out this opus with this fucking song with all sorts of subplots and different subgenres, everything crazy. And then we'll give you a bunch of structured rock songs and ballads and everything on side two. You know, and I thought it was brilliant. I think it worked great. It's like, because they're so different. You know, it's like, oh my God. It's like, you know, Tears is like, oh, that's just a great fucking like, I mean, heartstring pulling on your heartstring song. I mean, not just because of Inga, but just it's a great fucking song. And, um, in all the diversity talking about pot and uh, Twilight Zone, you know, and I love this record. I mean, you know, March of 1976, and uh. It was them going for broke, like you said. You know, the record company say, "Man, you better come up with some shit, or we're fucking you're gone." And they did, and they did, and it saved their ass, man. And, and uh, you know, it, and they continued on with the side one of twenty one twelve for the next two records. They didn't do a side two of twenty one twelve until uh, Permanent Ways. Quite honestly, if you think about it, as far as like compact songs and whatever not going crazy batshit crazy with the prog metal sort of vibe that they were notorious from 2112 uh farewell to kings and hemispheres um yeah the album means a lot to me to this day i love it i listened to it during this week preparing for the vera vault and uh, i love it it's five out of five chopsticks my favorite song would be i know it's a billion different songs 
discovery presentation or dream silica grand finale that's my number one and if i'm a, a gun to my head my least favorite is going to be something for nothing right on yeah i my favorite is 2112 my least favorite and i love it but it's tears okay and i'm telling you man you gotta hear allison chain's version it's mind-blowing after we get out the phone, dog. It it, 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 it real dude, it tugs on my heart more than their version. I love their version, don't get me wrong. And it then, uh, to it because that man just fucking just he just bleeds emotion. When he's oh. into a song, it's like, holy motherfucker, this shit is putting everything in his fucking heart into the song. I feel horrible that I've never heard it because they're one of my favorite bands. Well, you know? it's later, it's it's later, uh Allison Chains and Plus. It was released in the 2112 box set, which has a lot of covers. Uh, I, I forgot who else did the other. Co- I know there's a cover of Passage to Bangkok and, and and I think uh, something for nothing or lessons. I, I remember. But um, yeah, uh, but the Allison Chains, because picture picture this song, Tears, with that melodic Jerry Cantrell and that new singer singing it together. It brings more richness. To oh, it. so it's the new. It's not Lane Staley. It's no. the, the oh, yeah, it's wow. the newer guy. Cool. But it sounds oh, like it sounds like if it was Lane Staley, you know, because oh, the, the the way that that Cantrell and that guy sings it, it sounds like Allison Chains. Totally. No shit. Oh man, I feel horrible that I didn't hear it prior to well, doing this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can check it out on uh, Zay YouTube. All right. Next is the live album, All the World States. God damn, I love this one. What do you think? Yeah, my sublit phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, okay. Go what ahead. Do you th- what do you think of All the World's a Stage? Oh my God, I think you talk about power. You talk about just um, you know, I have no notes. Like I have no notes or any personal reflection of any of this shit. This is Bartok, Wang, and Doctor Fuck. Like we're hanging out. Uh, in front of a mirror doing cocaine all night long. Uh, <laughs> I think it's amazing. It's like, holy shit. It's like, this is like power. This is like organic drums, uh, bass, guitar, and just fucking, uh, just amazing, just singing and lyrics. I love this record. Uh, I got it into the 80s. I got it, I got it before... Um, Exercise left probably after I would say before Exercise left came out in October '81. I probably got this the summer of '81. So yeah, '81, not '80. Um, I think it's amazing. I think the I think they uh, just 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 the beginning Bastille Day. You know, I, I oh, what yeah. a yeah, what a great way to fucking No, play. what a one-two punch, Bastille into Anthem. Yeah, Bastille, yeah, exactly. I think it's a, it does do it does a lot of due respect to the 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 trilogy, the first three records. And then obviously the 2112 aspect. But um I think it's a great live record and it sounds really sonically amazing, you know. It really does. Oh, September yeah. 76, September 2976. Uh yeah, I love it. Um it's five out of five chopsticks, man. <laughs> same here, dude. I give it the same rating. I love this album. I love, love, love how Lakeside Park go- bleeds into 2112. 
And I and I love I love those little melodies like with Fly By Night going into the mood and Working Man with Find My Way and ending it with the awesome what you're doing. This album fucking smokes. Oh, and of course by Toy the Snow Dog. And it's so heavy. Yeah. And in oh. the end, I mean what a great song that is, you know. Oh yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, it's it's an amazing live album. But they will go into the next studio album, which I would say it's a very very, very, very close second best album, in my opinion, right behind 2112, but not too far behind it. I am a huge, huge fan of A Farewell to Kings. What do you think of this? Oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, hold on. Let me get it. Okay. Looking at the songs. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Uh, it's uh, September 77th, Harry Brown, of course. Um, uh, a great follow-up and a continuation of what's to come. They are just, um, you know, they're just just learning their instruments, understanding their their their. They're just, they're just not giving a fuck. They're just doing what they want to do. You know, you can just tell. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, and reflecting and everything. It's like you listen now. I, you know, I always um, when I was doing studying for your podcast, it's like. I was putting myself in the the um, in the context of a fan that was there from day one. You know, people older than you and me, like say, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds, uh, were following Rush. You know, from one to from the albums, and they just, you know, they must have just been going batshit crazy. You know, obviously, I had no idea who Rush was when this album came out, um, but it was a perfect. Uh, it was a perfect album to follow 2112. And what's interesting is they didn't do what you probably thought they would have done is, all right, let's do more of side two of 2112. No, they said, fuck you. We're going to go prog metal to the ump degree. And they just fucking just put it out there and just went batshit crazy. Um, I adore this album has uh, one of my favorite songs of all rush songs, Xanadu. Um, uh, yeah, just Cinderella Man and Cygnus X One Book One is amazing. Voyage, uh, Farewell to Kings, amazing song. Great way to start the record. Um, I think the song, the record is great. The direction is fantastic. It's uh, adventurous. It's um, it's uh, inspirational. It's uh, you know, imagination. It just I I wish I would have known what the you know, I, I would have loved to be in the brain of those three, like what they were thinking back then. You know, it's like, you know, because you know, it wasn't like they were headlining arenas on their own then, but they were just, you know, they were just, you know, working on their chops. And it's like, you know what? At By this time, it's like nobody could touch them. As far as musically, nobody could fucking touch them if you think about it. Yeah, we love bands and everything at the that era and everything but they were just uh, amazing and i love this record five out of five chopsticks man awesome me too man i mean and here is me being a complete rush tard with my right. one complaint well, i'm about proud this to call myself one too doc you know <laughs> that but now i'm going to be an anal rush tard and look how oh, stupid hey well rush tards Real rush tards that were there could name all the records and albums of we have a right to be analytical and subjective so go ahead no rush rush fans are very respectful cool people they ain't like kiss fans 
you, you know it and I know it, dude. They, you know, they're very passive people. You yes. know? But, but, but anyway, uh, this is my complaint about this album. And it's a <laughs> stupid complaint, but I, dude, for some reason, dude, it bothers me that Closer to the Heart, Open Side 2, and not Cinderella Man. Oh, Cinder- Cinderella Man is the perfect opener for Side 2. Because it rocks, it's killer. And if you notice in the context of a lot of bands that have hits, the second track on Side 2 is usually the yeah. single. Like, you've got another thing coming, and I'm having a brain fart now. But I know there's a lot of, a lot of the albums I have. The second track on Side 2 is usually the single. A lot. Not all, but a lot. Right. And I always thought, man, Cinderella Man should have opened side two going into Closer to the Heart. I think it would have blended better. You know, right. Madrigal is kind of mellow and shit, but dude, as mellow as Closer to the Heart is, it still rocks. Mm-hmm. You know? It's a rock and fucking tune. And yeah, uh, Xanadu, come on, bro. Yeah. That's, that fucking song is like beyond Sick. epic. Sick. You know? Sick. And, uh, and of course, the closer, Cygnus X1. All uh, right, so I have a feeling your favorite's going to be Xanadu off this album. Am I correct? You are spot on, Doc, Doc, Diddly Doc. Yes, Not sir. Not my favorite off the album. It's mine. All right, what's your least favorite? Closer to the Heart. All right. My favorite is Cygnus X Book One. Okay. Holy fuck. Well, I used Yeah, all right. That used to be my number one, and I, I'm sure somebody could find something I said in the past. That used to be number one, but uh, I'm going with Xanadu on this on the VR ball. I'm not trying to be culture cultural. I actually think that song's better. And I saw them play it, dude, on yeah. that la- on that last show at New oh, Orleans. In they New Orleans. But uh my my least favorite on here, Bill. Okay. Is Ma- Madrigal. Okay, okay. That was gonna be <laughs> close to the heart of that one, quite honest with you, Dr. I, yeah. love yeah. I love that song. It's still great. We still love it. I, yeah. don't get me, oh, I know the rest fans. Ah, Bill Wayne, fuck you. Go back to fucking China, bitch. Uh, I mean, close to the heart. No, 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 Rush fans are not that way. You're thinking Kiss fans. Uh, there's some Rush fans that are like that. But no, no, no Kiss no. fans are way worse. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get no. it. But um, uh, something I forgot to mention was when 2112 took off, the record mm-hmm. companies left them alone. So they went and did Farewell to Kings. That makes sense. Because, I mean, yeah, right. It's no, like, it, why would they it, let them do the next two records? It's yeah, like, no, I have, I have the, there's this DVD called Classic Rock Series, and it's a double C, uh, it's a two album one. It's 2112 and Moving Pictures. You know, the story, the story behind it with the band members talking. And they said, yeah, you know, we felt a lot of pressure. And then after 2112 became a success, they totally left us alone. They never fucked with us again. So they did that. And then they went even further on the yeah. next album, Hemispheres, which is my third favorite. You know what I mean? It's just an amazing... I mean, this is... Holy this shit. Is, this is where they really blew their progressive load. Totally. You know, they went fucking ape shit on this album. Rock metal, 1970s. Eight, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> this is where they they just took no prisoners, man. And yeah, starting starting it off with the sequel okay. to Cygnus Book One, to have Book Two. Then, mm. uh, which I saw them play that too. They played mm. Book One and Book Two on that final show. Um, mm. 
yeah, and the heaviness of circumstances, the awesomeness of the trees, which took me about 30 years to find out that song's about racism. I never knew that. Mm. And uh, amazing climactic ending of La Villa Strangato. Oh, you got to roll that tongue. Strangato. Strangato. <laughs> That's right. This album is, oh my God. I Look. Maybe my third favorite, but I think I listened to this one the most. Oh, okay. I, I love this album. I bought the box set with all the extra goodies, and uh, wow, what a fucking album! What do you yeah. think? I think it's awesome. I think it's amazing. I mean, I pretty pretty much uh, cut and paste everything you just said. Uh, only four songs on this fabulous album. Uh, and I, and I, I wrote a note here. Let Ralph do the worst in, in the world. You got oh, yeah, First of all, there's, how could you pick a song that's fucking... I mean, yeah, you, if you want to do the sub songs, you know, Prelude, Apollo... No, know, no, no. We got to do one, the, the whole Yeah, track. fucking A. Side one is one song. Cygnus X one, book two. Damn straight out of body. But I, this record is amazing. Um, oh, God. I mean... It's so uh, complex and so amazing and so honest and so pompous and so full of themselves and all the things that make it amazing. I mean, they didn't they didn't hold back. They didn't go, oh, man, we're going to wonder about Joe, the fat guy at the record company thinks with the bald head and the cigarette and that. No, fuck. They said, fuck y'all. We're in our 20s. We are at our peak of our game. We're fucking the most amazing musicians on the planet, bar none. Nobody can touch us. Name a band. Nobody can top Rush in 1978, musically speaking. Nobody. No, 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 no. Sorry. No way, Jose. Um, it's amazing. Um, yeah, man. It just, it's just, it, I listened to this album yesterday twice. And it's like, holy shit. And I'm thinking, October 1978, you know, this is before I ever knew who Rush was. You know, about about a year later, uh, that's when I was introduced to Rush. But yeah, I had no idea who Rush was. I don't remember any songs on the radio. Nothing. You know, October 78, it was, uh, I mean, Jesus Christ, Kiss Soul albums, uh, uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom. That was all that mattered to me. You know, Van Halen, the first Van Halen record. I wasn't ready to jump into the next scope of musical and greatness, you know. Um, yeah, amazing. I mean, obviously, five out of five chopsticks, um, you know, ginger beef, fucking egg roll, the whole bit, wasabi, fucking everything, amazing. Um, just them at their peak, in their 20s still, so they're just, they're still fucking just amazing. But I'm not, I, I don't know, I really cannot come to terms with the Vera Vault which I think is amazing. The and least favorite one. Yeah, I can't. I, it, it, it's, I um, can. And I'll okay. go, I'll give it to you in order. My okay. favorite song off the album is La Vida Sandrato. Okay, me too. My me too. second favorite, Circumstances. Okay. My third favorite, The Trees. My fourth favorite, Cygnus. I love them all. I, like I told you, I, says, I wrote all the songs. And I, I was prepared to do the best in the least best. And I wrote number one, by far, La Via Strangato. It was <laughs> with number one. And 
and I'm thinking, fuck, trees. No, I mean, it was it was a battle between trees and La Vila. And I love circumstance and sickness, book two. I, I'm going to have to agree with you. If I had a gun to my head and my life was going to determine it, I think I'm with you, man. I think I'm so, with you. Yeah. In I, other words, Bill, our least favorite song on this album fucking rules. So hard. It oh my god! Really, it's really, really hard. Fucking chopstick city, baby boy. It's like I'm damn. telling you. And and also, I mean, the thing about Rush, they're so serious and they're so epic. Where this album, where La Vila Strangiato in parentheses it says an excuse and self indulgence. They have a <laughs> sense of humor. You know what I mean? Right. It's kind of like you know they. they I think I'm going bald. They got some funny shit, you know? Right. All this right. This funny, though. Huh? This, there was nothing funny about Hemispheres. There was no think I'm going bald, I'm in the no. mood bullshit. You know, like, this was like serious shit. Like, we're talking about poetry and fucking philosophy and fucking, like, you know, just serious shit. You had to be a reader to understand this shit. It's like, you know, and I sure as fucking wasn't bad. I mean, I learned all this shit. I learned so much shit by Rush. It's like philosophers and, you know, all that and whatnot. Philosophers and, and uh, uh, blind men, each shall know their part. Ah, I got the wrongs, the, the lyrics wrong. Closer right. to the heart. Okay. Philosophers and plowmen. Is that it? The lyrics? I forgot. Okay, that's the end of part one. We're going to come back with part two. I figured I'd stop it right after Hemispheres because the next album goes into the different chapter uh, where Rush wouldn't, wouldn't, I think, uh, for lack of a better term, simplify their stuff, but not really. But compared to Hemispheres, they really do. So I think right after Hemispheres is where Rush goes a little more, less prog. So I think uh, this is where we should stop it. But tune in next week where part two we talk about permanent waves all the way up to Grace Under Pressure. But for now, I got something really cool Rush related in the vault. All right, this week in the vault, an amazing cover of the song that Bill and I were just gushing over. Bill and I both agreed it's our favorite song off Hemispheres. La Villa Tranjato. And this is also a trio. A very, very talented trio. Mr. Steve Morse on guitar from Dixie Dregs, Kansas. He's now in Deep Purple. Billy Sheehan from David Lee Roth Band and Talis and Mr. Big. And Sons of Apollo, who also features Mike Portnoy who plays on this track as well. This is amazing. Kick back and enjoy. I'll meet you at the end of the track.
Holy Cygnus and the Sea Monsters did that ever rule. That was Steve Morse, Mike Portnoy, and Billy Sheehan. And there's keyboards in there, and I try to look uh, who played keyboards on it. I couldn't find it. It's probably Derek Sheranian. But either way, it rocked. It ruled just like you listening right now. Thank you all, especially you listening now. Thanks, everybody, that shares my shows. Soon I'll be leaving uh, comments from all of you that have been leaving comments. And I want to start incorporating that into the show. I'll be doing it in 2021. So, till next week, tune in. It's even better when Bill and I talk about permanent waves all the way up to grace under pressure. You're going to love it. If you love this one, you're going to love the next one. Till next week, my friends. Smack them a gob. <laughs>